This is Lifetime Sentence, the podcast where we watch bad Lifetime original movies and compare them to the truly heinous stories that inspired them. Because sometimes the truth really is stranger than fiction. Hey, so how's it going? Well, it's day 4,172,936 of quarantine. It has been exactly that long. I've been counting their X's on my wall. Is your whole wall covered? Uh, I mean, can you see behind me? It was a black wall. I've been using a white Sharpie. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, I'm going a little stir crazy, but other than that, I'm good. Um, I was really comforted by uh, Orange Fulius's video about how well he's doing with the coronavirus. I really hope there was inspirational music behind it. Um, I hope you dance comes to mind. Or, <laughs> or vitamin C, friends forever. Oh, God. What was that graduation song? Not the vitamin C one. As we go on, go down, we, uh-huh. we remember. <laughs> yeah. That's it, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, and by comforted, I mean I didn't watch it because I was not at all comforted by the fact that it even exists. I don't, I don't understand why you are so bitter. Oh, well, he single-handedly destroyed my industry the other day, so yay! Well, Probably not. I may not have a job after all this is over, so please subscribe to our Patreon <laughs> at patreon.com slash lifetime sentence so I can still afford food. Speaking of our Patreon, I had so much fun with our Netflix party this weekend. Me too. Actually, you signed off before we got to my favorite one, which was the one where the guy meets a girl online and takes her to his abandoned missile silo to see if she could possibly be a good prepper wife. Holy moly. Like, how do you swipe right hard enough on Tinder to match with that? I don't know. Is that the direction you swipe? I don't know. I never internet dated. On their second date, he blindfolded her to drive there. You know, that happened in a fraternity thing that I did once. I don't know that I'd want it on a date. That's not, in fact, the definition of a blind date. Mm. Yeah, after watching this movie, I need intense therapy. And we'll never go on a date ever again. Not that they, never mind. We'll get there. Right. Yeah. Let's wait for the depressing. Because right now we're still bantering about Netflix and how great we are. And yeah, that's my favorite portion of the night anyway. Okay. So what have you been up to? Uh, Well, I hung a TV on the wall. So I basically am the picture of a handyman. You sure are. Um, I... (laughs) Uh, did homework because I forgot today was Monday. And it happened. I have homework due every Monday. So, I mean, like clockwork, I've got homework due every Monday at 11. Um, oh, and since the last time we talked, I uh, applied for my doctorate. Yeah. So, Congratulations. Thank you. I have a an internet, uh, like a, you know, what's the word? Video interview tomorrow. Awesome. I- Yeah, I feel like I'm slacking so hard in my quarantine because I'm like 
because of reasons, I'm looking for a cheaper place to live and how to scrimp and save money and everyone else is doing like amazing things with their life. You know, I saw a really shitty meme that said something along the lines of, if after all this you haven't written that book, learned a second language, or learned to play an instrument, then it's not about having the time, it's about having the drive. And uh, one of my favorite comedians, Miranda Hart, she's British. Uh, did you watch um, Call the Midwife? No. Oh, she was chummy in that. Anyway, um, she posted that on her Instagram, and then she put a big old X through it, and it said, if you didn't post, da, 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 you know, like, if you didn't complete these things, and then she wrote, it's okay, everybody processes differently. And I'm like, yes. That's the answer. Oh, well, all these things are not because of, like, quarantine or COVID. It's just because of other situations in my life. So I'm having to make a lot of adjustments really quickly, and they all feel like I'm moving in a backwards direction. I understand. So it's been a frustrating time. It won't always be I really be want to go eat at a restaurant. I just yeah. want bottomless chips and queso. Chips and salsa, I mean. People keep telling me it won't always be... Uh, stressful, or what did I say? It won't always be this way. Yeah, it won't always, but so far in my 37 years, it has always been this way, so we'll see. Well, I'm just saying, on the bright side, one day you'll die. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, I sound like such a good and supportive friend. Yeah. I'm just having a rough time. I know. I'm having a rough go right now. Are you it's drinking tonight? Yes. Good. Because we can at <laughs> least do that together. Perfect. Mm. So should we get to the shit show? Uh, well, before we do, this is lifetime sentence. And I'm an idiot for applying for a doctorate. And I'm a sparkling ray of fucking sunshine. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> can, can that be our first t-shirt I'm a fucking God, real sparkling man. sunshine <laughs> yeah. now please tell me about this movie because I can only imagine it was uplifting and empowering you got the same feels after that you got when you watched Free Willy for the first time and he made it over the wall spoiler alert you've had 30 years to look this up don't blame me um, you're shaking your head yes, so I'm so glad it was such a positive experience. Uh, listen, whatever size the trigger warning needs to be on the Chris Watts movie, this one needs to be like triple that size. Yikes. This movie is really fucking dark, which I don't understand how Lifetime goes between like, it's all kitschy and fun and we're going to make fun of this and like... And now we're going to plunge you into the depths of despair. I mean, that just sounds like a Wednesday at my house because I haven't been taking my medicine on quarantine. (laughs) So uh, this week, because you wanted an uplifting, badass survival story, we, I watched Cleveland Abduction. Uh, Loyal listeners, do you hear how she blamed me for this whole thing? Like, we don't cover horrible murders on the reg, but this particular time is my fault. Yeah, let's not talk about that yet. You wanted this one. Um, It stars Taryn Manning as Michelle Knight. Um, 
she's from Orange is the New Black and Crossroads and Hustle and Flow. Crossroads Katie like Sar- Britney, Spear- Britney Spears? Nice. She played one of her friends. Gotcha. Um, I can't believe you don't know her. Did you know, not watch Orange is the New Black? No. Oh my gosh. She's so good in that show. She won like a million awards. Um, Katie Sarif, she plays Gina De Jesus. Um, she's from Annabelle Comes Home. Like the doll? Mm-hmm. Okay. Supernatural and a show called Youth and Consequences. That sounds like my show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anta Droke, she plays Amanda Berry. She did voice work in Horton Hears a Who. Okay. And then she um, also was in a movie with um, Selena Gomez and Demi Lovato called The Princess, the Princess Protection, Protection Program. Agency. Program, yeah. And then she was in a show called Poor Paul. God. Which is her show. <laughs> okay, I'm coming clean. That is my autobiography. And then finally, we have Raymond Cruz. He plays Ariel Castro. Um, he's from, he's actually like a legit actor. Um, he's from Alien Resurrection. He was in Training Day, Under Siege, and Clear and Present Danger. I've actually seen Training Day. Do I get one point? You do. Yes. Okay. I guess I'm just going to relive this right away and rip the bandaid off. Spoiler alert, this movie ends with me going to cry in the shower for like 15 minutes. Um, we open with a shot of a girl hogtied and hanging from the ceiling. Already don't like it. Yeah, I wrote, thanks, I already hate it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, then we cut to Michelle playing with her son. Um, they're singing Row, Row, Row Your Boat. She leaves him with grandma to go look for a job. Um, she fills out an application to work at the laundromat, but she doesn't get the job because she never graduated from high school. When she comes home, her front door is open. Her mom is not there. And some dude is like drunk and snoozing on her couch. Hard pass. Casual. Michelle like comes in. She's like, where is my mom? And the drunk guy just starts like groping her. Ugh. Um, her, her son like steps forward and is like, "Let go of my mommy!" So the drunk guy just picks him up and throws him across. No, the room. no. Yeah. Oh, this is the first like five minutes. You chose this. <laughs> um, Michelle takes her son to the hospital, but she lies to them about what happened for whatever reason. I don't know if the guy was her boyfriend. They don't. They don't ever touch back on that. So they call social services. Um. And they place her son in foster care. And we cut to a while later and Michelle is talking to her friend, Emily, about visiting Joey, her son, and how she can't wait for him to be home, which should be in like two weeks. Like she has a hearing in like two weeks to get him back. Okay. Emily, um, Emily's dad calls and picks her up, which um, should be fine but it's important later gotcha michelle is running late late for her court hearing and her mom says like calls her and is like oh i'm not gonna come pick you up so um she's running around town trying to figure out how to get to the courthouse um 
Emily's dad is in the grocery or the convenience store that she stops in and he says he will take her. And then after he'll they'll go pick up Emily and he'll take them both to the mall. Okay. He says this is the weirdest way to introduce this and maybe the funniest thing that happens in this movie. He tells her, "I have really cold AC." So cold that AC are my initials, Ariel Castro. I'm K that <laughs> I bet you have so many friends when you make that joke. So Michelle lets him give her a ride. She gets in the truck and he says he wants to stop by his house first and give her a puppy for Joey. Because that's what an unemployed person needs is another mouth to feed. Yeah. Um, so they go to his house and there is a dog outside. So Michelle like goes into the yard to pet the dog. Ariel takes her inside to quote, see the puppies. Spoiler alert. There are no puppies. They're all full grown. She had to adopt an elderly dog. She went home and it actually turned out to be a really fun dog flick. Um, Michelle go, uh, so there's no puppies and he like closes the door. He takes her upstairs and he closes the door behind them. Michelle goes to like climb out the window, but he tackles her and she keeps screaming. I have to go. I have to go. Like, cause she's going to be late for court. Oh my God. Okay. And he ties her up. He hits her. Smashes her glasses. He masturbates on her. Then he takes her wallet and tears up the picture of her son that's inside of it. No. No. Then he gags her, kicks her, points a gun in her face, and threatens to kill her. And then he hangs her from the ceiling. Hi, I'd like to talk to you about overkill. (laughs) She's not dead. That... I didn't, I didn't say she was, but that still feels like a little overkill. I mean, it is consistent with what happened. Um, meanwhile, so after he's done doing all that, he goes outside to chat with the neighbors, like you do. Cash. Um, Michelle's mother reports her missing, and then the police come. They are less than helpful. And this will be a running theme in this movie no because if we haven't learned anything from serial seasons one and three it's that all good things happen in cleveland right um over in hell ariel's back he unties michelle and drags her down to the basement and rapes her And while he's doing it, the camera focuses on a little angel in the foreground for reasons. Reasons. I thought it might. I thought it might be like relevant. Nope. Nope. Then he chains her to a pole while telling her that everyone thinks she abandoned her child and laughs in her face. Holy shit. Um. Then he gags her again and puts a motorcycle helmet on her head. Later, Ariel's mom, mommy comes over to bring him food. Um, and Michelle starts screaming. Ariel can hear her screaming, but the mom can't. 
he brings the food downstairs and feeds it to her. Then he gags her again and leaves her there. He's given a real bad name to the Little Mermaid at this point. Mm. He then has his boys come over for a little jam session because they're all musicians. Speaking of musicians, I saw the advertisements for the train wreck that is Bachelor, Listen to Your Heart. My God. And I am going to watch this. Yay, I'm so glad. (laughs) You can be on my side when Anna tries to kill us both. So he brags to his friends about all the sex he's getting. Um, no, no. Taking, sir. Taking. (laughs) Um, he, then later he rapes Michelle again and says that he really wishes he didn't have to hurt her, but he can't help it. Um. And then he starts crying? I don't mean to laugh, (laughs) but it's just like a whole series of emotions pass through me at once and my body settled on laughter. (laughs) Um, Michelle holds his hand and she tries to comfort him and she's like why don't you just let me go I'll say that I had an accident and I was unconscious and whatever and he like starts to torture her he's like yeah totally let's go and he carries her upstairs and starts to go out the door but then he carries her up the second flight of stairs and throws her on a bed and nails all the windows closed. Yeah, that's you went the wrong direction, guy. Um you made a wrong turn. He's a really charming guy. Really charming. I don't know why he couldn't get laid in his regular life. I mean I don't understand why his wife left him and took all their kids. I really don't get it. Um Michelle is having a dream about playing in the snow with her son and making snow angels. But then she rolls over and he's gone. And then she wakes up and she's chained up naked and shivering on the bed in this bedroom with no heat and no blankets. Okay, I do want to know where Lifetime thought this was a good idea to make this movie. Like, I'm already out. I know I picked this. I just asked for a survival story. I wanted, like, an episode of I Survived, I think, where... She fell out of a plane with no parachute and she survived. Is really what I was hoping for. I didn't want all this. <laughs> um, he brings Michelle a TV as some sort of gesture of goodwill, I guess. Um, he tells her there are rules to have the TV. And the rule is, quote, no blacks, no African Americans, or I'll take it away. And I don't know what that means. I think he means she can't watch the Jeffersons. Which is one of my favorite shows of all time. So. Jeffersons. So. One day he catches her writing a song about living in a corner of her mind, hoping to see her child again. He comes in with his guitar and insists that he sings it while he plays for her. This is a romantic comedy. He tells her that her song is beautiful and then he asks her to write him a song so that he can play lead on it. And she's like, oh, I already wrote you a song. (laughs) And she gives it to him to read, but he doesn't like it because it's not nice about him. 
God, what a hissy fit. You know, sometimes, mm-hmm. Ariel, this is how I can tell you play music, you're not a musician, because musicians understand that sometimes art is ugly, and sometimes mm-hmm. it's painful. <laughs> he tells her that she's, quote, stupider than he thought. Okay. And then he gags her again. And then he goes downstairs, because there's a knock at the door, and his kids are there. His kids are there. I'm not a fan. Emily tries to go upstairs, but he stops her. Michelle starts banging the headboard on the wall, but Castro blames it on the dog and then turns on the radio and makes everyone eat outside. Michelle starts talking in her imagination to her son again, um, but she's still in the dirty room. Um, Castro comes in and smacks her across the face for talking too much. Like, he was even there. Like, shut up. Right. Um, she brushes her teeth with dish soap. Oh. When, okay, did your parents ever wash your mouth out with soap? Because that's a very southern thing. I'm not saying I didn't deserve it. I'm not also saying that it didn't make me say fuck twice as often when they weren't around. Hence, (laughs) as I tell people, I have a whole podcast built on the word fuck alone. But, Mm -hmm. um, that is an experience I will never, ever, ever forget. So then to make up for being mean, maybe he brings her a puppy. Um, he made good on his promise question mark. It's like four years later. So, (laughs) and this is where I forgot, like he is driving a school bus and I was like, Oh my God, I forgot this motherfucker drove a school bus. Okay. He comes home in the middle of the day to rape Michelle, but he forgets to lock her chain. Or did he? She takes all of her chains off and goes downstairs. Of course, he's down there in the shadows waiting for her. He beats her up and then snaps the dog's neck. Oh my god, no! Look, he killed the dog, so he gets the death penalty in my book immediately. Right? Cut to another day, possibly. Um, Michelle is upstairs, just hanging out. And Castro brings another screaming girl upstairs, Amanda Berry. She gets away and almost gets out the door, but Castro catches her by the hair and drags her into the basement. Oh, man. Fuck. This was, like, really hard for me to watch. Um uh-huh. Michelle is watching news footage of Amanda's disappearance and she's also throwing up. She's praying that she's not pregnant, but... No. Castro brings Amanda upstairs to live in the room next to Michelle. Um, He rapes Amanda while Michelle watches. Um, Afterwards, Michelle tries to talk to Amanda, but Castro threatened to kill them both if he catches them talking, so she won't talk to her. Um, Michelle goes back to her little corner where she plays on the beach with her son. Um, Castro figures out that Michelle is pregnant, so he beats her in the stomach with a barbell until she miscarries. No, 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 no. 
Yeah. I mean, I did the research. I know the real story. I was going to say, didn't you? <laughs> she wakes up covered in blood. Um, next, Castro brings Michelle some clothes and a wig because he needs help with a, you know, little home improvement project. Okay. I mean, any guy needs help sometimes. Right. Are we just like HGTV coupling it? We, mm-hmm. We're we on Love yeah. It or List It and I've asked yeah. that Hillary come redo my torture chamber real fast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she tries to signal the neighbor and thinks that the neighbor sees her. But Michelle is much more excited about this than I am because I know the rest of the story. Um, she even hears sirens later, but it's just the police breaking up a fight at the other house next door. Oh. Michelle then starts to cut her own wrist, but she sees Joey in her head and she stops. She celebrates Joey's fifth birthday with a number on the wall. Castro gets Michelle to help him with another home improvement project. Um, And somewhere, a neighbor calls the police about hearing screams from Castro's house. But the police are like, "Mm, are you sure it was that house? And she's like, well, I don't know. Like, I just heard him. And then they stopped. So I was concerned. And he was like, "Mm, you should really know where it's coming from before you call us. No, 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 you should know where it's coming from. That's why I called you. I... Michelle is watching TV about the disappearance of Gina DeJesus. Um, Castro comes in and tells Michelle he brought her some company. You know, just take it back. You know, this house is already full. There's not enough room. What do you know? It's Gina DeJesus. He tells them every door and window has an alarm on it, so not to be stupid enough to try to get away. And then he makes Gina cut all of um, Michelle's hair off. Michelle starts giving... So he, she and Gina like live in the room together for some reason. Okay. Um, so Michelle starts running like daily pep talks about how they're going to get away from him. How they're going to outwit him because he's a fucking idiot, which he is. Right. Um, and Gina cries as she wants her mom. Oh. Because she was walking home from middle school when she was abducted. My they do God. say that much. I don't remember how exactly how old she was. But, Fourteen. Um, oh, my God. That makes me, like, physically ill. Mm-hmm. Um, cut to one year later. Gina's family, oh, this, this just got me so much. Gina's family is having a vigil, and Castro shows up to the vigil to bring comfort to her family, who is like, bless you, and they all fall in his arms crying. If I don't say this in my notes, because I don't remember if I wrote it down, he did this at least twice. Mm. Because he knew all these girls. Mm Mm-hmm. Then he show. Then he runs back to the house with a videotape to show the girls footage of himself with his arms around Gina's mom. That is a level of torture that there's not enough counseling to help them get through. No shit. Um, he starts to kiss Gina, and Michelle tries to intervene, 
But Ariel screams at Michelle that he hates her because nobody is missing her, nobody loves her, and nobody's giving her candlelight vigils. So he's not getting attention, so he's pouting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Michelle snaps and starts beating the crap out of him. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, good. But, but he just drags Gina across the floor and rapes her while Michelle holds her hand. No. Um... In the next scene, Michelle and Gina are doing push-ups, and Castro comes in and says, quote, I'm bored. Put on a show. Which I know I'm a terrible person, but all I could think of in that moment was those TikTok videos or like, I'm bored in the house. I'm in the, in the house, house bored. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, Joey turned seven. Now Gina's running out of hope, so Michelle makes them have a dance party to keep the cold away because there's no heat in this house. I do have to say that I like, I mean, horribly sad, horribly depressing. I like the way they're showing the passage of time with Joey's birthday. Like, that's Mm -hmm. kind of an artistic way to do that. Lifetime did one thing artistically. Yes. Well, then they fail at it later. Don't get me started. Damn. They see on the news that Amanda's mother has died. Oh, my God. I can't even imagine my child going missing and then dying before I found out what happened to him. I mean, I can, but I, it would be a terrible way to die. Right, right. Because I like just being without him would make me want to die. So, like, I can imagine it, but it's it's horrible right um so castro decides to take their chains off so they can have a family dinner because he has a big announcement oh he's setting them free and um he's turning himself in no sorry that's my lavender did you just sniff your lavender to chill out yeah (laughs) (laughs) um amanda's pregnant you uh great yes please announce that sir um cut to amanda giving birth in a kiddie pool upstairs in this house have you never heard of a water bath i mean a water birth a water bath do you not bathe in water aaron (laughs) no i only bathe in champagne i forgot um no, she's giving birth in an empty kitty swimming pool. Okay, so just because he's too dumb to fill the thing up. <laughs> <laughs> then he's like, then Amanda is screaming because like childbirth. And he's like, shut her up. Make her stop screaming. And Michelle's like, dude, it hurts. God. There's like so much commotion during the scene. It, it's like exactly what I imagine a home birth would be, but like way grosser. Ugh. Um, Castro points a gun at Michelle and says if the baby doesn't stay alive, he's going to kill her. Amanda is screaming too loud, so he turns on the radio, which is his thing. Like, whenever they're being loud, he's like, the radio will help. (laughs) (sighs) I have a question. Uh, Completely unrelated. Mm. When you are looking for something and you're in your car, like you're looking for a driveway... Do you turn down your radio to find it? Totally. 
Totally. Okay. <laughs> I feel like if you don't, you're a psychopath. I'm like that meme. I'm like, Luke Bryan, I can't shake it for you right now. I have to find out where I'm going. Right, exactly. Exactly. Except that now that cars have dials for everything, like the air conditioner is a dial too, I turn on the wrong thing sometimes. Yeah, I do that too. <laughs> so... Amanda delivers a baby girl, but she's not breathing, so Michelle tries to give her mouth-to-mouth so she doesn't, like, die. Um, and the baby starts to cry, finally. Um, Amanda names her Jocelyn, and we cut between Michelle still upstairs by the numbers on the wall. Joey's now 10. Oh, my gosh. And home videos of Amanda, Jocelyn, and Castro celebrating Jocelyn's birthday. She's, like, four now. So Joey turns 14. Shit. Jocelyn starts asking questions, you know, like five-year-olds do. Uh-huh. And he, like, he tries to, like, hit her, but all three of the women are like, no! Yeah. Yeah. That's the problem. The problem is one of them had a baby and now cares about that baby more than she cares about her own life. Right. Um, so Castro makes Michelle dig a hole in the backyard, presumably a grave for them. Okay. And Michelle gets mouthy with him. Good girl. Um, and Castro says he never meant for things to get this big, etc. He didn't mean to like have a child and now he's afraid that Jocelyn's going to be all messed up. And I'm like, too little, too late, pal. Like, go fuck yourself. Right. Um, so Michelle starts talking to him about God and how he can change and how he can like pray to God to try to change and etc. Um, and then after she's back upstairs, she gets really sick and gets a fever because probably she's been digging a hole in the ground in the freezing winter of Ohio. But that's just conjecture. Right. So Castro one day goes to get them some food from his mom's and leaves Jocelyn downstairs by herself. The front door is open. He leaves the door open. It's still latched, but like from it's locked from the outside, but the screen door is like open. Gotcha. Okay. So Jocelyn goes upstairs to get her mom like you do. Right. <laughs> when you live in this really weird situation and you're warned to never, ever go outside, you know? Right, right. Um, Amanda goes downstairs and sees that the door is indeed open and Castro has indeed left because at first she's like, no, he's probably still here. It's probably another trick, you know, whatever. Um, but it's not, he's gone. She kisses Jocelyn on the forehead and says, quote, whatever happens now, I love you. And she starts screaming because the door is padlocked shut, but the there are neighbors like on the street. A neighbor comes over and Amanda tells her, I'm Amanda, I'm Amanda Berry. I've been trapped here for 10 years. And the neighbor is like, you can't be Amanda Berry. She's dead. But she can still see that there's a padlock on the door. So people start coming over to like get these people out. She can see that there's a situation happening. <laughs> right. <laughs> Listen, you're a liar, but we're going to break you out real quick. Yeah. Um, they kick the door in and Amanda and Jocelyn get free. Um, the police come and break down the door and are calling out police police but michelle doesn't believe them at first she hides or she makes gina hide and then she hides in another room 
but the police come in and they shine their lights on her and they find her. They show her badges and are like, no, we're for real the police. And so she literally jumps into the arms of the policeman. I don't blame her at all one bit. And calls for Gina. Um, the police are standing there like, what in the fuck is going on here? And the officers radio in, quote, we found them. We found them. Um, they walk them all downstairs and outside. Michelle drops to her knees and sobs on the ground. Um, they take the women to the hospital and Michelle, like, there's all these, like, guy doctors in there. And she's like, no, no men. And this badass doctor walks in and is like, get out. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Michelle starts asking about Joey. The next day, Michelle asks about him again because she, like, goes to sleep because they're working on her. She, like, asks about him and then she falls asleep, you know. Right. Um... They ask if they can call. Oh, she says they were, the doctor says they're going to try to find Joey. They ask if they can call any other family members. And she says, quote, none that wouldn't know how to find me if they really wanted to. This is like what was really, it was all really awful, but this ending part was really horrible. And I sobbed through the whole thing. Like it, you know more than other people, and I won't go too far into it, but I have very serious abandonment issues. Right. That were well-earned from my childhood and beyond. Uh-huh. And this just gutted me. It was awful. The whole rest of it. Sorry, guys. <laughs> she watches the homecoming video of Gina and sees photos on the news of Amanda and her family in the hospital while she's there all by herself. Oh, my God. Her amazing, amazing badass nurse brings her a cart full of gifts and Michelle wonders to her about whether Joey would even remember her or if she would even recognize Joey's face anymore because he's 16 now. Um, FBI guy comes to walk to talk to her. He brings her steak and shake and a blizzard from Dairy Queen. So if anyone in the FBI wants to bring me that, uh, please come over. Um, Dave, it's time you got up off your ass. Brought me some food. Right. Hey. Um, he offers her a napkin and she recoils because of all like the gag. Like every, she says every time he wanted me to shut up, he would stick one of those napkins down my throat. Oh my God. Um, and the FBI guy is like, I'm so sorry. Like, I did not mean to startle you. Like, please. Like, I'm so sorry. Um, Michelle's mother comes to see her, but Michelle tells the nurse that she doesn't want to see her. Um, she finally gets to take a shower and brush her teeth with toothpaste. And at first, when she was brushing her teeth with dish soap, I thought maybe it was like a, just a mislabeled thing. Uh-huh. And it, it was like, but by the smile on her face, when she's like tasting real toothpaste, she's like smiling and like happy about it. And I was like, oh, oh shit. Oh my God. Ugh. Mm, yeah. Michelle gets... Oh, uh, her awesome nurse brings her new glasses because he smashed her glasses on the first day. Right. And he, they bring her new glasses and she watches the arraignment of Castro on TV. Michelle gets discharged and the nurse gives her a cross necklace. FBI guy takes her to, like, I guess a house or an apartment or something. 
And she asks after Joey again, oh, and this was so sad. He's like, are you going to be okay here? And she's like, are you kidding? Like a queen size bed all to myself and all these chairs to sit in. I'm going to be amazing. Oh, oh, that's heartbreaking. She asks after Joey again, and they say they're waiting on the adoption agency to respond. And this is where I told the TV. I was like, TV, if this movie ends and she doesn't get to reunite with her child, I'm going to sue Lifetime for emotional distress. I support this. Spoiler alert. I'm going to sue Lifetime for emotional distress. (laughs) Michelle meets Gina by the water and they talk. Gina tells her they should part ways and live normal lives for a little while, but they'll come back together someday again. They exchange hugs and I love you's and then Gina leaves. FBI guy comes into her apartment slash room and says that Joey's adoptive parents don't want Michelle to see him. He brings up the possibility of avoiding the adoption since she was not consulted. That's like an availability she has. Right. Um, But she's like, can you please just leave me by myself for a while? Um, Later, he meets her on a bridge and she says it doesn't feel right to blow up Joey's life like that. And that he has a family and he's happy. Um, she compares, oh, he asks, like, the FBI is like, your guy, he's like, you're so strong. And she's like, I'm a caterpillar changing into a butterfly. Um, she gets all dressed up, I think, for court. She goes to a church and prays. Um, then she walks to the courthouse, like, having flashbacks the whole time. She walks through the crowd of reporters and reads a victim impact statement that was very moving. She says he does not deserve the death penalty because it would be too easy. We see Gina, Amanda, and Jocelyn, and Michelle holding... And So, so Gina is with her family. Amanda and Jocelyn are together. And then Michelle is at Castro's old house handing out balloons the day they leveled it. Okay. Um, the FBI guy brings her a picture of Joey, who is supposed to be 16, but this kid in this picture cannot be older than 12. Fair enough. It's not possible. Everyone let go, everyone lets go of the balloons, and we get the ending text. Quote, Ariel Castro was sentenced to life plus 1,000 years in prison. He hanged himself in his jail cell one month into his sentence. What an asshole. Michelle's book describing her experience, her faith, and her survival is an international bestseller and has helped people around the world. Michelle is currently working towards a culinary career in Cleveland. She loves to sing and draw as she continues to enjoy her freedom and a journey towards a new life. The end. God, that's rough. Do you want to live it all over again as I tell you the true story? Sure. Great. I love it. All it right. was horrible. <sighs> Bright said we got it out of the way and we don't have to do it ever again. Sure. All right. So at the top, my sources are um, the Wikipedia article, the Ariel Castro kidnappings, and Wikipedia, I just want to say, I think you misspelled oh. the kidnappings of Michelle Knight, Amanda Berry, and Gina DeJesus. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. It was... Sometimes I want to like just go in there and hit edit and start fixing it. Changing those. Mm-hmm. Right. Because this isn't his story. He doesn't get to have a story. He no. he chose to ruin the lives of lots and lots and lots of people. He doesn't get to have a story. 
He's the fucking worst. Thank you. Um, of course, uh, our best friends over at All That's Interesting, which mm-hmm. I love All That's Interesting. And um, CNN, um, an article called Cleveland Kidnappings Fast Facts. And then um, ABC had a couple of articles that I read as well. So on May 6, 2013, Cleveland resident Angel Cordero heard a woman screaming outside of his neighbor's house. He tried to respond to the woman's screams, but he spoke very little English and could not communicate with her. Oh my God. Can you imagine getting out of that house and like the first person you run into doesn't understand what you're saying? God, that's, there's not a, there's not a worst part of this is the worst part. Oh God. Another neighbor. I hate this story so much. It's a badass survival story, but I hate it. Another neighbor, James Ramsey, joined Cordero at the house's front door and attempted to rescue the woman who was screaming. Together, they kicked a hole in the bottom of the screen door of the storm door from behind which the screaming was coming. A woman, mm-hmm. Amanda Berry, crawled through the hole along with her six-year-old daughter. Oh, ooh, sorry. Um, because Sarah knew we needed it, she brought us brownies. Well, she brought you brownies. Well, you get to watch me eat it, which is almost as good as you eating it. Sure. Thank you. Um. Oh, so cute. You're welcome. Um, Amanda told the man that she was being held in the house against her will. Upon being freed, Amanda went to the, to another neighbor's house who did speak English and called 911 saying, help me. I've been kidnapped and I've been missing for 10 years and I'm here. I'm free now. So Amanda, do I? Oh, I just said, Wow. So Amanda Berry was born April 22nd, 1986. And I, I forgot how close to my age she is. Like, like this is one of those stories that I know that it's a more modern story, but I've had to Mm -hmm. create some distance in my brain from it. And so in my head, these women are not my age, but they're my age. Yeah. Amanda Berry was born, like I said, April 22nd, 1986. She disappeared mm-hmm. on April 21st, 2003, one day before her 17th birthday. Oh, my God. Like, 16's already a rough year, and then the last day mm-hmm. you get kidnapped. Like, that fucking sucks on so many levels. Um, she was last heard from around 8 p.m. when she called her sister to tell her that she was getting a ride home from her job at Burger King. The FBI initially considered her a runaway. It's shocking, right? Of course they did. Right, because when a when a young woman goes missing, the first thing that that the only answer is that they ran away. Always pisses me off. Mm-hmm. Um, me too. Well, that's what they did with Michelle Knight too. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about her too. Um, so they consider her a runaway until an unidentified man used her cell phone to call her mother. He told her mother, quote, I have Amanda. She's fine and will be coming home in a couple of days. Well, he's a liar. Oh, I just choked on my brownie. So that's what I get for rubbing it in your face. That is what you get. Um, see, Amanda was featured in a 2004 segment on America's Most Wanted. On this segment, she was linked to another young woman who'd gone missing in Cleveland named Gina DeJesus. 
Barry and DeJesus were also profiled on the Oprah Winfrey show and the Montel Williams show where a psychic, and I say in air quotes, this particular woman was a psychic. Named Isn't Sil- she the one that said they were dead and they were in the water? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. She wrong. Yeah. But it devastated um, Amanda's mother so much that she took down all of her pictures of Amanda and she gave away Amanda's computer and she just, like, she decided that was it. There was no reason to keep searching. Um, she did keep searching. I hope somebody sued that woman. I hope so too. She did keep searching until she died from heart failure in early March of 2006. God. Um, so Robert Wolford was a prison inmate who'd lived in Tremont um, which was the area that she'd been kidnapped from. He claimed in mm-hmm. July 2012 that he had information on the location of Barry's body. So he led police to an empty lot on Cleveland's west side where they conducted a search. Brightside, he was sentenced to an additional four and a half years in prison for the obstruction of justice, making a false report, and making a false alarm. Fuck you. Bye. Um... So Amanda spent 10 years locked essentially in a basement held in captivity against her will. But when she first arrived, she found she was not the only woman there. Michelle Knight had already been kidnapped and held captive in August of 2002, seven months before Amanda arrived. Michelle Knight was born April 23rd, 1981 on August 23rd, 2002. She's close to my age. Right. She's older than me, but she's close to my age. Um, Michelle was kidnapped after leaving her cousin's house. She was 21 years old at the time of her disappearance. And on the day of her disappearance, she was scheduled to appear in court for a child custody case involving her son, Joey, who was in the custody of the state. And just like you mentioned in the movie, because she didn't appear, he was put up for adoption. This makes me irrationally angry and i know that like so theoretically like i understand theoretically sometime before he turns 16 they're going to put him up for adoption but right the fact that they did it like straight away and nobody thought it was concerning that she just didn't show up for this hearing uh-huh. was it's unreal well that's unreal a, that's the next thing i was about to say following her rescue police acknowledged that Limited resources had been spent on investigating her disappearance because she was an adult. Mm-hmm. And that's not really why. That's the reason they gave. But you and I both know that it's not because she was an adult that they didn't look into it. It's because she dropped yep. out of high school. I mean, she had a court yep. appearance and they decided that, that record meant yep. that she wasn't a worthy human being. Yep. Authorities had believed that she'd run away voluntarily due to anger over losing custody of her son. According to the police chief, she was, quote, the focus of very few tips. She was even removed from the National Crime Information Center database. I have no words. I can't. Uh-huh. Oh, I have plenty of words, but I... Yep. She, and she was removed from oh the God. database only 15 months after she disappeared. This so, is the one of the one of the grossest miscarriages of justice 
absolutely I've ever seen. Absolutely. I because would... if they had been looking for her, they could have like maybe found her and maybe or at least scared the dude so that he wouldn't have gone and kidnapped some other people. Right. Like what the fuck? I would use that New York Times bestseller money to sue the fuck out of Cleveland police. Amen. Um so after almost or almost a year after Amanda was kidnapped, a third woman, young woman was kidnapped and held captive with them in their basement prison. Um, her name was Georgina, but she went by Gina Lynn de Jesus. She was born February 13th, 1990. She went missing at age 14 and was last seen at a payphone around 3 p.m. on April 2nd, 2004, on the way home from her middle school. Her friend Arlene was the daughter of a woman, um, Grimelda Figueroa, and a man, Ariel Castro. Uh, Castro. And um, Arlene had called her mother for permission to have a sleepover at De Jesus's house that day, but for Figueroa had replied that they could not have the sleepover, and so the two girls parted away from that payphone. Arlene was the last person to see Gina before her disappearance. No one witnessed her abduction. And let's talk about poor Arlene. Right? Who probably has a whole host of her own issues now. Right? Well, we'll talk about that whole family in a second. Poor Arlene. Um, So no one witnessed her abduction. And an Amber Alert Alert was not issued because she was a runaway. Runaway. Um. In 2006, he said the Amber Alert should work for any missing child, whether it's an abduction or a runaway. A child needs to be found. We need to change this law. And I 100% co-sign. Who said that? Her father in 2006. So she still had not been found Good at this point. For but him. A year after her disappearance, the FBI released a composite sketch and description of a male suspect described as Latino, 25 to 35 years of age, 5 foot 10, 165 to 185 pounds, with green eyes, a goatee, and possibly a pencil-thin beard. Looks a lot like Ariel Castro. Uh-huh. Sketch looks a lot like Ariel Castro. Mm-hmm. Jesus was featured in the America's Most Wanted segment, which linked her to Amanda Berry. The disappearances received regular media attention into 2012 while the families held public vigils. Um, Her abductor, as I mentioned earlier, it was in my notes, attended at least two of the vigils, vigils, uh, reportedly participated in a search party, and tried to get close to the DeJesus family. I'm just going to break stuff now. I'm going to put it on mute. Good. You keep going. Great. Um, so the man who'd kidnapped these women was Ariel Castro, as I mentioned, the father no. of Arlene and Gina de Jesus's friend. Like Arlene, Gina de Jesus's friend. She had gotten in the car with him, thinking he was taking her home because it's Arlene's dad. Like he's gonna take me home. Yeah. Oh, so mad. Um, as a parent, if this all happened and it comes out like, oh, this was my. Um, my daughter's friend's dad, I can't even. Right. I would, he better hope he's behind some really strong doors because I'm coming. Yep. Mom is coming. (laughs) 
So the man, uh, let's see, the Castro family, in fact, knew the De Jesus family and had lived in the same neighborhood in West Cleveland. Castro eventually claimed that he was not aware that she was a member of the same De Jesus family. Bullshit. Um, his son, who was a journalist, even interviewed Gina's mother about her daughter's disappearance because their families were close. So let's talk just for a minute about this asshole because I hate him. He was born July 10th, 1960 in uh, Puerto Rico. His parents divorced when he was a child, and that's when he moved to mainland United States with his mother and his three siblings. Mm-hmm. They initially settled in Pennsylvania, then moved to Cleveland, where um, Castro's father and other family members were living. He um, eventually, between both of his parents, like remarriages and stuff, he wound up having nine siblings. Um, and I kept reading to see if like there was a head injury or like signs of abuse. None of that came up. He was just an asshole. Yeah, I was about I was about to ask like, is there a part of this where I start to feel bad for the poor guy? Nope, couldn't find anything. Nope. Okay. Good, because I don't. I wouldn't feel bad for him anyway. Right. So um, Castro met his girlfriend Grimelda Figueroa when his family moved into a house across the street from hers in the eighties. They lived, at some point, they lived with both sets of parents, but finally moved into their own home in 1992. Um, This home was a two-story, four-bedroom, one-bathroom house with an unfinished basement. Mm -hmm. And Figueroa's sister, Elita, said that, quote, all hell started breaking loose when the couple moved into their new home. Um, Mm -hmm. So Elita and her husband, Frank, claimed that Castro beat Figueroa. And um, broke her nose, broke her ribs, broke her arms, and caused a blood clot in her brain that resulted in an inoperable tumor. So why did she then leave him? I know. I just, I can't imagine. I can't either. Oh, it was probably this next part. He also threw her down a flight of stairs and cracked her skull. In 1993, he was arrested for domestic violence, but was not indicted. Because why, though? I apparently was so mad that I typed that sentence twice. (laughs) Figueroa moved out of the home in 1996 and secured custody of her four children. Police assisted in the move and detained Castro, but they did not press charges. Castro continued to threaten and attack Figueroa after she left him. Figueroa filed charges in 2005, accusing him of inflicting multiple severe injuries on her and of, quote, frequently abducting their daughters. The court granted her a temporary restraining order, but it was dismissed a few months later. So this is the problem with with uh, TROs is that by the sheer fact that they're temporary, usually the violent partner will just wait it out. Uh-huh. And then once it's dismissed, yep. you're open. It's open season. So, um, so she unfortunately died in 2012 due to complications from her brain tumor. Oh, my God. Before his arrest at the age of 52, Castro worked as a bus driver for the Cleveland Metropolitan School District. 
until he was fired for, quote, bad judgment. Did they also employ Jay from Serial Season 1? <laughs> they have those two working a route together. Right? God. Um, so his bad judgment included making an illegal U-turn with children on the bus, using his bus to go grocery shopping, leaving a child on the bus while he went and had lunch like in a restaurant and leaving the bus unattended so he could take a nap at home by nap do you mean like raping one of the women's he, women's he, women's he kept in his home i wouldn't be surprised but it didn't say um and then what really pisses me off is he was earning $18.90 an hour when he was discharged I mean, bus drivers are underpaid for sure, but I hate this asshole. Yeah. Um, at the time yeah. of his arrest, Castro's home was in foreclosure after three years of unpaid real estate taxes. Sure. Um, so Castro kidnapped his victims by offering them a ride. Then he drove them each to his house and lured them inside. Um, he took them into the basement and restrained them. Um, when he kidnapped Michelle Knight, he took her upstairs, tied her hands and feet together, and pulled her up using her hands, feet, and neck. He left her there for three days without food. Um, so, prosecutors... At She's a better person than I am, because I have to imagine, I'd be like, how can I choke myself out using this... Right. ...board around my neck? Right. Um, so prosecutors at his sentencing um, said that the women he uh, kidnapped kept diaries and their diaries, quote, speak of forced sexual conduct, of being locked in a dark room, of anticipating the next session of abuse, of the dreams of someday escaping and being reunited with family, of being chained to a wall, of being held like a prisoner of war, of missing the lives they once enjoyed, of emotional abuse, of his threats to kill, of being treated like an animal, of continuous abuse, and of desiring freedom. Sounds about right. Uh-huh. The women were in locked upstairs bedrooms where they were forced to use plastic toilets that were emptied infrequently. They were fed one meal a day and allowed to shower twice a week at most. Knight told police that he had impregnated her at least five times and had induced miscarriages each time through beatings. And I'm not going to get into the details of the beatings because you Please mentioned don't. one, but they Please were don't. awful. Um, don't. He starved her. Her grandmother told reporters that she needed um, facial reconstruction surgery due to the beatings that she endured. And that she lost hearing God. in one ear. Um, and then the dog thing, and I'm not going to talk about it. Nope. You mentioned it. We're done. Yep. Um, Jesus told law enforcement that she was raped, but did not believe that she was ever impregnated. Amanda Berry, however, was raped, impregnated, impregnated, and gave birth to a daughter while being held captive by Castro. After her rescue, a DNA test was performed on her daughter to confirm to the court that Castro was indeed the father. Um, Who else would it have been? Like I a know. visitor to my my prison? 
<laughs> it was during that filming of the HGTV torture chamber. Oh, sure. One of the camera guys. One of the camera guys. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, on Christmas Day 2006, Castro ordered Knight to assist in the birth of Barry's child, which took place in a small inflatable swimming pool. And he threatened to kill her if the baby did not survive. At one point, the baby stopped breathing, but Knight was able to resuscitate her. Castro occasionally took the child out of the house, including to visit his mother. How is his family not? What the fuck, dude? The girl called him daddy and Castro's, grand, uh, Castro's mother, grandmother. In 2013, he showed one of his adult daughters a picture of the child and said that it was his girlfriend's daughter from a previous relationship. He told others that she was his granddaughter. So he just took her out and showed her off to everybody. Thank God. Um, according to a statement from Cleveland Police... Officers visited Castro's home only once in the like midst of the kidnappings to discuss an unrelated incident. He did not Nuh-uh. appear to be home at the time, and so later they interviewed him elsewhere. Neighbors claimed to have called the police about suspicions about suspicious activities observed at home, but police said they have no record of any such calls. I'm sure they don't. Well, yeah, if you throw them in the um, the shredder right after you get them, that's how you don't have a record. Right, exactly. Um, Castro's son, Anthony, reported that there were certain areas of the house that were inaccessible due to being locked. He also mentioned an occasion three weeks before the women's escape when Castro asked him if Barry would ever be found. Anthony said that he told Castro that Barry was likely dead, to which Castro responded, Really? You think so? You know, I don't want to, like, blame the family because it's not their fault. It's his fault. But it's like, there's so many red flags. And perhaps it's because they're all together, right? They're all together in one place. I'm like, yeah, those are enormous red flags. But if it's one thing at a time, you don't think about it. But, oh, my God. Right. This guy was, like, begging to get caught. I would have been suspicious. I know personally that I would have been suspicious when he brought up a 10-year-old kidnapping, like a 10-year-old disappearance of a woman. Yeah. I Unless she'd been in the news very recently. You know, like... Like, I yeah. might offhandedly ask what people think of Madeline McCann because she appears on the cover of People every so often or Us Weekly right. or whatever, you know. Maybe that was it, but though. Because they did... That, they did keep her in the news until 2012, for sure, but... Yeah. That's just so... I, I see, where I would get suspicious in... It's the locked doors. Apparently, it's not. A, it's the locked doors in the house. And but I watched a TikTok video last week that was some. Uh, this lady was like, "Yeah, we, um, my gr- parents inherited this house from my grandparents, and now they're moving. So like, we're gonna move in. And a lot of these rooms have ne- like nobody's ever been in them. And I'm like, what are, have y'all been doing? Don't be suspicious. 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 <laughs> but seriously, like. I would have been all up in there. Right? <laughs> Open this door. The minute my please. parents told me so, a room I was not allowed to go into, you know I was there. I was Belle in the West Wing. And 
they just never it, it sounded like they just never they just never went in there nobody I was like, nobody in your family was like, let's see what's behind door number three. <laughs> right? What if there's some cool ass fucking furniture in there? Right? Vintage Playboys. I... That's what I was convinced when I was little that I would find in every room I ever opened. Aww. <laughs> I don't know why that's what I wanted to find, but. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> um. Oh, man. Let's see. Um. Okay, so one day, uh, oh, sorry, on the day in May when Amanda Berry was kidnapped, um, was rescued, I wrote kidnapped, was rescued, Castro left the house and Berry realized that he failed to lock the big inside door, although the exterior storm door was bolted. She did not attempt to break through the outer door because she thought that Castro, quote, was testing her, according to the police report. Mm Previously, he had tested women, the women, by leaving the house partially unlocked and exits unsecured. If they attempted to escape, he beat them. So instead, Amanda, I almost said, Rachel, did you ever watch Glee? Oh, yeah. The main character's Rachel Berry. So every time I wrote just Berry, I try to say (laughs) Rachel Berry. (laughs) Rachel. Uh, So instead, Amanda screamed for help when she saw the neighbors through the screen. Reporting, nope. Responding police officers entered Castro's house. They walked through an upstairs hallway with guns drawn, announcing themselves as Cleveland Cleveland police. After peeking out from a slightly open bedroom door, Knight entered the hallway and leaped into an officer's arms, reportedly saying, "You say," repeatedly saying, "You saved me. You saved me." Soon afterward, Look, I would straight up like bachelor koala hug one of those officers. Uh huh. Um, soon afterward, De Jesus entered the hallway from another room. Knight and De Jesus were walked out of the home, and all three women plus the child were taken to the medical center. Um, Barry and De Jesus were released from the hospital the next day. Knight was discharged four days later on May 10th. Um, now, the rescue of these women also reignited hope for uh, the family of a missing woman, um, Ashley Summers, who went missing in July of 2007. But um, unfortunately, she was not linked to this. And as of this month, she's still missing. Oh, God. Um, So uh, an embassy affiliate reported that Castro recalled each of the three abductions in great detail during his um, Mm. interrogation. Good for him. He indicated that they were unplanned crimes of opportunity. Um, he also said that he didn't have like an exit plan. He just believed he would eventually get caught. Okay, I um, how is it an unplanned crime if you have like the whole setup in your house to hog tie someone and dangle them from the ceiling? Right, and you've already like, you know if that's done your, it once, if that's your twice, and that's what you're into good on you do it consensually but it just seems a little bit too coincidental Mm -hmm. um well the good news is he refers to himself as cold-blooded and a sex addict i did it because i just love to fuck okay (laughs) i don't know what to tell you don't give me that look 
I hate it. So this is like such bullshit, but uh-huh. it's such a sticking point with me when it, even when it comes to like purity culture and like evangelicalism, it's like the woman is just so sexual just standing there in a convenience store that I couldn't help myself. And that's why. And it's part a big part of rape culture. It's a big part of purity culture. It's a big part of all of that. And it's bullshit. Right. It all takes the onus off the man. 100%. If I can tell a dog not to eat something and he doesn't eat it, then surely you can keep your clothes on around a woman. I want that cross-stitched. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so... Um, Police found a suicide note in his home in which he discussed the abductions and wrote that his money and possessions should be given to the kidnapped women if he were ever caught. That's not what a suicide note is, first of all. (laughs) I'm going to kill myself and please pass everything on to the women I wronged. Like, I don't... That's like a will, kind of. In the case I go missing. <laughs> it was my husband. I'm like, we can't trust this. Um, so Castro was arrested on May 6, 2013. He was initially charged with four counts of kidnapping and three counts of rape, which uh, carry prison sentences of 10 years to life. He made his... He made his first court appearance on May 9th, where Bell was set at $2 million per kidnapping charge. Um, adding up to a total of $8 million. Sucker! Um, additionally, charges were reported uh, to be pending, including aggravated murder um, because of all the intentional miscarriages, attempted mm-hmm. murder, assault, a charge for each instance of rape, and a kidnapping charge for each day each captive was held. That's amazing. So on May 14th, Castro's attorney said he'd plead not guilty. What was his defense? Um, Do you have like any, like, I really want to know. Oh yeah. They were trying to go for an insanity defense. Because he had been coached to say he was a sex addict. They were really trying to um, make him mentally unstable because he liked to fuck. Yeah, okay. That is not what mentally unstable is. Nope. Um, let's see. So, after he filed, or after he entered a guilt, not guilty plea in on June 12th, um, his attorneys were like, oh, his attorneys were finally like, well, some of these charges are indisputable. It's our, quote, it is our hope that we can continue to work toward a resolution to avoid having an unnecessary trial about aggravated murder and the death penalty. Uh, and then he said, oh my God, I want to kill this man. And this is why I could never be a defense attorney. I always wanted to be a prosecutor when I wanted to go to law school. Um, he yeah. said, quote, we are very sensitive to the emotional strain and impact that a trial would have on the women, their families, and this community. No. No, no, no. no. That's canceled. Like, I wonder sometimes how 
defense attorneys sleep at night. I really want to know. God, on beds of cash in a Ferrari. Yeah, true story. <laughs> oh my God. But yeah, especially that, like, we don't want to have a trial because we don't want the girls to feel bad. For, oh, for 10 years? Like, like what mm. you going to do about those 10 years? Are you... Yeah. You're going to give them a pretty sticker in time to go home? Like, I don't understand mm-hmm. what you think that statement says. You're like, mm, thanks for playing. Um, so... Okay, bye. He was found competent to stand trial on July 3rd. So on July 12th, the grand jury returned a true bill of indictment. So, like, all the accusations. Um, it brought a total of when they added up the days of kidnapping and all that brought the total to 977 different counts, 512 counts of kidnapping, 446 counts of rape, seven counts of gross sexual imposition, six counts of uh, felony assault, three of child endangerment, two of aggravated murder and one of possession of criminal tools. And I'm like, did y'all just stick that on there to get to that 977? So you can't divide it by anything. Like I don't, yeah. you saw a good prime number. I don't know if that's a prime number. I'm just yeah. guessing. Um, mm-hmm. So um, on July 17th, he pleaded not guilty to see the extra charges too. Um, so finally, he pleads guilty on July 26th to 937 of the 977 charges against him. Okay, I, I did these 937, but not these 40. Right, right. Those 40 were blatant lies. Yeah. Um, he, uh, he took a plea deal, and this is the stupidest plea deal I've ever heard of in my entire life. Great. Uh, <laughs> it calls for several consecutive sentences of life in prison plus a thousand years without parole. Mm-hmm. How is that a... He also forfeit his right to appeal and could not profit in any way to his, due to his crimes. So, Good. like, what did he... He also forfeit all of his assets, including his home, which the prosecutors said would be demolished, and it was. Um, but I don't understand the deal here. Like, what, what What? did they take off the table when they gave you a thousand? You're still going to die, buddy. I struggle to feel bad for him. So. I, I don't feel bad for him at all. I actually kind of feel bad for the defense attorneys that they got in so far over their heads that they were like, fuck, the only thing we can argue for is a thousand years plus four counts of life in prison. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, this is going to be easy breezy. Fuck. Oh, man. Damn it. <laughs> fuck that. Um. So Castro you know was, your ass isn't getting paid for that case either. Right? Um, Castro was told by um, the judge, quote, you will not be getting out. Is that clear? To which Castro responded, I do understand that, your honor. Castro also made comments about his addiction to pornography and sexual problem. And the judge was like, nope. <laughs> the judge just cut him off to give him a sentence. Like, Good. not having it. Like, bye, bitch. Uh, the law firm representing 
Barry DeJesus and Knight released a statement that the three women were, quote, relieved by today's plea. They are satisfied by this resolution to the case and are looking forward to having these legal proceedings draw to a final close in the near future. Oh, shit. Um, so after he was sentenced to, like I said, all the life terms of a thousand years, um, he was also fined to a hundred thousand dollars. Like, I guess they really just wanted to show him how bad that was. Mm-hmm. So he, before his sentencing, addressed the court for nearly 20 minutes. And I don't know why anyone said he decided, like, he should have that much time. No. And in it, he said, I need you to hold on or take a drink. Like, sniff that lavender or something. He said, he was, quote, a good person and I'm not a monster. I'm just addicted to sex and pornography. And I've practiced the art of masturbation from a young age. I never beat or torture those women. And most of the sex I had with them was consensual. Okay. Where do I start? A. Everyone watches porn. Most people from a relatively young age. And you're watching some fucked up porn if you're like, this was it. This is what ruined me is porn. B. This is all your fault. (laughs) Nobody else's. And C. Nobody feels sorry for you. And I had another point, but I forgot it because I'm oh, really mad right was now. Was it the word most in most of the sex I had with them was consensual? Oh, yes. Yes, it was. Because you cannot have consensual sex with someone you kidnapped and are holding against their will. Thank you. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. It was, it was very good. I would sign up for a second one. Um, so then he took this weird stance... Where he apologized, but also blamed the FBI for not catching him sooner. As well as blaming the victims for letting themselves get in a car with a stranger. It was you. And you. And you. Definitely wasn't me. Yeah. He was, you know that court, like, when you point, you have four fingers pointing back at you. He was pointing with open hands. He's like, it was all of you. It's not what my fault. The FBI didn't catch me loser. fast enough. Oh my... I can't. Um, I just... I really... I just can't. God. So... I'm very upset right now. So he closed with, I hope they can find in their hearts to forgive me because we had a lot of harmony going on in that home. Okay, Jan. So, so um, Michelle Knight got to give a statement and she said, you took 11 years of my life away. I spent 11 years in hell and now your hell, hell is just beginning. I will overcome all that has happened, but you will face hell for eternity. I will live on. You will dig a li- You will die a little every day as you think of the 11 years of atrocities that you inflicted on us. I can forgive you, but I will never forget. Yep, that's what she said. Um, 
After the trial, the three victims went on about rebuilding their lives. Michelle Knight went on to write a book about the ordeal entitled Finding Me, A Decade of Darkness. And then she changed her name. And while her name is public knowledge, I feel like she probably changed it for a reason, so it's not mine to tell. Um, she got married on May 6, 2015, on the second anniversary of her rescue. And um, at the time, she was hoping to reunite with her son, who was adopted, like once he comes of age. But I wasn't able to follow up on that. She's actually trying to be a little bit more private than the other victims, which mm -hmm. is completely her prerogative and good for her. And I think, um, so, sorry, my earbuds just disconnected for some reason. They're being a real pain in the ass lately. Um, so I think that that is part, so Lifetime did like a follow-up. This was right when Jamie Sloss was found. Okay. And, um... They did a, a follow-up, and they had Amanda Berry and Gina DeJesus on the follow-up. Uh-huh. And um, um, Michelle was not on it. Right. And they kind of mentioned that she was trying to keep... And, you know, not... And this doesn't discount any of their experiences, because all of their experiences were very real and very uh, traumatic. But I think from what... I've heard and what I saw on the movie and of course the movie is just conjecture, but about like, and, but what about what I remember is that, you know, she, her family wasn't looking for her. Her And so it's, she's having a different experience coming home uh -huh. than other people are. Oh, absolutely. Which is not her fault. And it's not Amanda or Gina's fault either. It's just kind of the way that it is, but she's going to heal differently and need to distance herself differently. Right. And it's like the fact that her son was put up for adoption without her consent and adopted out, which of course it had been, you know, 14 or 12 years, but still like that has got like, I can very realistically imagine how badly that cuts and how much you would need to get away. Well, yeah. And in addition, like she was an adult, they were both children. And, you know, I think that was a very different experience. Mm. Um, and also she was alone with him for seven months. So for yeah. seven months, she was the only object of his torture and abuse. And, mm. you know, like when Amanda came, it was split in two. And then when Gina came, it was split in three. So Michelle had those yeah. seven months of torture completely alone. And I can't imagine that he was kinder to her before the other ones came no. you know does that make sense yeah so she does like she did have a very different just, experience and i you know too you know she was she really identified as a mother uh -huh. and so all of the forced miscarriages and things and then seeing you know and again like this is nothing against anybody else it's just like seeing amanda then allowed to have her baby and uh -huh. Had had to be just so painful. Oh yeah. Um, in an interview, she said that she still has triggers, certain smells, um, like fixtures with chain pulls, still set her mm -hmm. off. Um, that she's triggered by the smell of Old Spice cologne and Tommy Hilfiger. Um, which me too, but that's just because in smell. a different way, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Um, Amanda Berry. Yeah. 
uh, lives with her daughter, Jocelyn, and has adjusted to living her own life. She also works for Fox 8 News in Northeast Ohio uh, mm-hmm. doing the missing persons reports. And she was on the special, like the re- like little reunion special they did. And it had also, so it was those, Amanda, Gina, um, Elizabeth Smart, and one other person I can't remember. And now I feel like an asshole, but. Uh, was it so Amanda? Was it... Um, hold on. Nope, never mind. Mm. I don't know. Um, but it was those three for sure. There was one other person on there and it was, you know, it's powerful and, you know, everybody processes things differently and I'm, they seem to all be doing like really good things Mm -hmm. in their own separate way. And that's all you can ask for. Yes. So, um, Gina and Amanda wrote a memoir together called hope, a memoir of survival in Cleveland. Um, she joined the Northeast Ohio Amber Alert Committee um, and also helps to find missing people that way and supports their families. Good. They are still in contact with each other, but not with Knight. Um, yeah. According to Michelle Knight, she said, I'm letting them go their own way and they're letting me go my way. In the end, I hope that we get back together again. And as for Ariel, Ca- <clears throat> sorry, as for Ariel Castro's home, um, it was demolished a few months after the revelation of his crimes. And Gina's, that made me so happy. Gina's aunt got to man the excavator controls. And uh, she That's took fun. the first swipe at the house. Good for her. Yes. So. This story is just so horrible. Um, so Castro, as you mentioned, was found hanging from a bed sheet in his cell at the um, Correctional Reception Center in Ohio. On the evening what of se- September 3rd, 2013, one month into his life sentence. Um, so since then, um, like I said, February 6, 2017, Fox 8 News brought Barry on as the new host of the station's missing person segment. And this February, they did a three-year anniversary for all the people that she's helped find. Like, they had a big celebration for her on air. Oh. Yeah. and then, so cool. Um, on May 1st, 2018, Michelle Knight's second book, Life After Darkness, Finding Healing and Happiness After the Cleveland Kidnappings, was published. I have to read her books if I can. From the library or something. Yep. So. Interested. You know, like this movie was very much from Michelle's perspective, and I'm really interested to know more about the real story. Right. Because, again, like, like you said, and we've kind of, hammered home she doesn't do a lot of press she doesn't she's not out there and doing interviews which is completely her prerogative but i want i want to know more right about what she went through absolutely or not really what she went through but how she overcame it right you know it's i really love memoirs because i get to see somebody's fight and overcoming yeah Um, and speaking of i am reading a book called um who I think it's called flying alone. It's a memoir that I was sent to review early. Um, it's about a woman who was diagnosed with MS who, um, despite it went on to get her pilot's license and learn to fly. And she is incredible. And I have enjoyed this story. So I also have an arc memoir right now. It's called Hollywood park. And it's about these boys that grow up like 
in a cult, I think, and I need to like learn more about the cult. But then they, it's really about their life after their mother like breaks free from the cult and they move and they're very, they're poor. And it's about them like coming of age. I mm-hmm. love that. Uh-huh. Well, let me know it's how It's really you... good so far. I need to get back into it. I'm having a really hard time reading books right now. I I'm understand a... that. Ugh, it's kicking my butt. Um, well, uh, we are not sponsored this week by anybody, but I do want to say that if you are bored and looking for something wonderful, I recommend downloading Quibi and watching Murder House Flip. It is so good. It is literally a show where they HGTV, right? They HGTV famous murder homes. So as I mentioned to you, the first episode or the first three episodes, because it's in three parts, is the home of Dorothea Puente, um, who is the woman that um, ran a boarding house for the elderly. And she killed them and kept them buried in her yard and cashed in their um, social security checks. And this couple bought it because it was cheap and it had five bedrooms so that they could have all their grandkids over at one time and um, and be haunted by all the haunted as fuck. Yes. Yeesh. Yeah, that sounds good, though. I'm gonna have to check it out. It does. It's only available on my phone. And I'm like, Ugh, I don't want another thing to watch on my phone, but right. I kind of do. So and they're only yeah, the episodes are 10 or 15 minutes long on anything which is nice i don't have a, any really recommendations this week but let's pick a fun movie for next week yes, i think please. i get to pick oh you don't like my picks anymore not allowed to pick anymore <laughs> and i have half a mind to stick you with the girl in the box and make you suffer but i won't cuz i need a laugh um do 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 let's okay. Well I'll give you a choice. Okay. We can do the OG Death of a Cheerleader with Tori Spelling. Okay. Or I killed my BFF the preacher's daughter. Let's do that one. Which one? The preacher's daughter. Okay. Write it down because you'll forget. Working on it. <laughs> hey, I didn't forget this week because I wrote it down. Good for you. I have this whole little book that I have made into just podcast stuff. In the last week or so? <laughs> uh, three episodes. <laughs> yeah. Well. All right. Well, um, we that mentioned. should be more entertaining. I'm sorry that I almost cried all the way through this. You know, sometimes we all need a good depression cry in front of all of our loyal listeners. It gives me something to talk about my therapist with. Right. And in this time of um, social distancing, your therapist really needs to feel needed. Well, and she has really, she's like, you're totally fixed. You're completely fine. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever considered stand up? Oh, I have totally considered stand-up, but I don't think I'd be good at it. I also would prefer to sit down, if I'm being honest. No, I would love to do stand-up comedy, but I think I would get in front of people and totally choke. Fair enough. Um, Can you hear Sarah singing? I can. Yes, she's apparently listening to The Greatest Showman. Oh, good for her. 
Um, so, uh, as we mentioned at the top, we really enjoyed our Netflix party and we would like to do another and we would like you to join us. Oh my God. It was so fun for everybody that came. Thank you. Do you want to do it again next week? Um, let me check my schedule, but I think so. Cool. And we'll put up another, um, we'll put a poll, poll. up earlier and we'll put a time and date up earlier too. Yeah. It'll be really, it's been, it was really, really fun. I had a great time. It was really fun. I love, I told you this before, but I love talking shit with you. And, oh, and anytime we can bring more people to see how funny we are, then. Oh, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, so where can the people find us? Oh, I was trying to ask you so I didn't have to say it all. Okay. You can find <laughs> us at Instagram at Lifetime Sentence, on Twitter at Life Sentence Pod. Mm-hmm. On Facebook at facebook.com slash lifetime sentence. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find our website, which starts updating this week. So I'm so excited that I got that Yay! all set up um, at lifetime sentence.com. You can send us emails and please do. We love to hear from you at lifetime sentence podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Um, and of course, join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash lifetime sentence. But yes, most please. importantly, leave us a rating on iTunes or yes. wherever you listen to us. Rate, review, subscribe, do all the things. Tell us, tell the people how much you love us. Tweet yeah. about us. Tweet, tweet about, us and tag oh, us. We've gotten some great tweets lately. Yeah, we have. So please keep doing that. Oh, I want to give a shout out. Let me see if, you know, last minute, I'm so always so prepared. Um, you are. We had somebody comment on our post. Um, and she said she was so excited. Like, she was like, I'm totally not freaking out that you responded to me. And I just want to say that uh, I adore you. Um, oh, where did this comment go? Here we go. Um, Pottle J said that whenever you posted the pictures of Rob Lowe in his photo shoot, <laughs> she said, I totally thought of your podcast before realizing who posted it. So I mm-hmm. love that we were the people who came to mind. Yay! And we love and adore you. We do. We, we love and adore everyone, to be we, perfect. We do. Uh, okay, not everyone, but everyone who listens to us, because you have good taste. Yeah, that's true. Well, yeah. So, um, we'll, next week we'll be back with something funnier, I hope. And then, until then, don't forget. Oh, it sounds weird <laughs> when we do it backwards. You do it. Don't forget to eat your vegetables. Charge your phone. Bye. Bye. This has been Lifetime Sentence, where the truth really is stranger than fiction. Thanks for listening.